This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Baron Seeger, President and CEO of the World Food Program USA. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with WFP's Baron Seeger next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Conflict, climate, and COVID have accelerated an already daunting challenge of world hunger. Baron Seeger says the World Food Program, based in Rome, and WFP USA share a common mission of meeting the needs of the malnourished and starving people of the world. The World Food Program is the global organization based in Rome. They are the boots on the ground. So when you think about the World Food Program based in Rome, also think about us and our work in 88 different countries, working with the most marginalized the most in need, the most vulnerable people in the entire world. Last year, the World Food Program helped over 100 million people. And we're being asked to increase that by 40% just this year based on what I would call the uh, three C's. It's conflict, it's COVID, and it's climate. So when you think about the World Food Program, we're talking about the largest humanitarian organization in the entire world. 20,000 staff members, the majority boots on the ground, working to protect uh, the most vulnerable lives. And so then you bring in the World Food Program USA. We are the 501c3, the nonprofit arm, if you will. We're based in Washington, D.C., but we have staff scattered throughout the United States. And we have the mission of making sure that we're working hand-in-hand with the World Food Program to make sure that our uh, appropriators, that our congressmen and women, our senators, that uh, that they know that the World Food Program is helping save lives around the world and that funding is critical to keep the World Food Program in business to save lives. So on the policy side, working with appropriations committees and legislators to make sure that funding continues for the World Food Program. And then uh, when you think about the World Food Program USA, We're also making sure that all Americans in the U.S. know about the World Food Program. One of the other roles that the World Food Program does play is unlocking private sector resources. That means that we're working with individuals that are giving anywhere from $10 to $5 million. Don't forget that with the World Food Program, we have a significant funding gap. That gap is about $5 billion dollars. And without that funding, people will suffer, people will die. How important is WFP USA to the bottom line of WFP Global? So we are growing, and we are growing rapidly. And I'll I'll give you just a couple examples. Um, A year ago, um, we had uh, 25,000 individuals uh, who supported uh, the World Food Program financially. 
Today, that number is at 80,000. We have 80,000 individuals. We're talking with foundations. Uh, we've been very lucky to have companies like Cargill and UPS and Bank of America support us for a very long period of time. So what, what I would say, Jeff, is that we are in a growth phase. Uh, when you think about the bottom line of, of what we contribute, uh, just over a year and a half ago, uh, our, our, we raised $20 million. Uh, we just ended our fiscal year on October 1st. Uh, we raised, uh, in my first year, $28 million. And I would say that now, in the new year, we're forecast to raise uh, between um, 40 and $50 million. We are feeding a family of four for an entire month for $75. We are making sure that men, women, and children have food, have a, have a meal so that they can survive. We're growing. Uh, we're growing very rapidly. However, the need is nowhere close to being met. So my goal today and my goal every single time I'm talking on a podcast or a webinar, I want to make sure that people around the world and in the United States know that the World Food Program is here to help and we are helping. So it would be, I suppose, easy to set back on your laurels and look at how you've grown, but I can also look at your own numbers suggesting 135 million hungry in 2019 and 265 million in 2020, largely because of the COVID situation as well as conflict. What we need to remember is hunger's on the rise. 30 million people rely solely on the help of the World Food Program. But on top of that, we have about 150 million people that are facing severe hunger. We are facing a real risk of famine in four areas. That's Burkina Faso, Northeast Nigeria, South Sudan and Yemen. This is where individuals are going to be dying if we cannot raise the funds needed uh, to deliver the services. Baron, I have a very difficult question. Hunger doesn't have a zip code. It just is. But if I could look at numbers that would suggest that 17% of kids in the U.S. are living in food insecure homes totaling about 11 million. There are many who would say, why am I concentrating on somebody else when I've got a problem right here at home? How do you answer that tough question? So I, I get asked that question a lot, Jeff, uh, and my answer is, is, candidly, we care about every single person that doesn't have access to food. There are safety nets in the United States that don't exist in a lot of countries, but I would also say that for the World Food Program USA, we just made a large grant to share our strength. Share our strength uh, does domestic work here in the United States. We earmarked it for uh, school feeding programs in the Midwest. So uh, I would say that exactly to your point, I care about what's happening, whether you're in Norfolk, Virginia, or whether you are in uh, Washington, D.C., where I am today. I care about every single person that is suffering from hunger. We also are reminded that the World Food Program is a U.N. agency, and we're invited in by countries to work. If we were invited in to work in the United States, my guess is we would probably help in the United States as well. Mm -hmm. But there are safety nets. There are great organizations like Share Our Strength, Feeding America, and many others that are making sure that Americans have, have food. But uh, my focus is on famine, and my focus is on... Uh, at the World Food Program, those individuals, those men, women, and children 
that are on the brink of starvation that will die because they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Why is hunger so simple to define, but yet so hard to resolve? It's hard to resolve because there's so much conflict around the world, Jeff. And I would use Yemen, I would use South Sudan, uh, I would use these, these ladies uh, and their kids that I spoke to who were, who were leaving South Sudan, going to uh, Gambella, Ethiopia. They were fleeing violence. They were afraid for their lives. Everybody wants a better life, um, but they also had no food. And these ladies and these kids told me that they had not eaten for days because of fractioning wars that were taking place. They were, they were, they were killing people. They were uh, burning down their residences, and they were fleeing. By the way, I would also say these are individuals, they don't, they don't want to be refugees. There are three drivers right now of hunger. It's conflict, it's climate change, and it's COVID. So how are women in particular being affected by hunger, and what role does educating women play in resolving global hunger? So a, a few things. One, I would say that when you invest in a woman, when you invest in a female, that money tends to stay in those local communities and build back the communities much stronger. You'll also find, we also find that um, a lot of what we call smallholder farmers um, are run by women. And so we also want to make sure that, that, that women have an opportunity to be entrepreneurs, whether it's a farm or, or something else. But we, you know, we want to make sure that women aren't just the caretakers, that they actually are, um, are, are able to take care of their kids uh, by having enough food, but that they're also um, creating a more sustaining business to allow them to, to care for, for, for their families. There's been plenty of debate over whether we should just give money or whether we should go through the expense of donating the own bulk commodity to those. From the WFP perspective, what do you prefer? Listen, it's a combination right now. My goal is to make sure that food gets to people and that we have a variety of sources to get to those that are in the greatest need. What I would say is the beauty of the Food for Peace program, the USAID, uh, is, is that there are a lot of areas in the, in the world that because of, of climate, they can't grow. Um, and so this purchasing of food here in the United States solves a problem. By the way, it solves a problem that cannot be fixed in some of these countries. So it is a solution to a problem that the World Food Program has. But I would say for me, if this is an option of getting food to those that need it, there are and, and, and combined with other options, um, again, my goal is to make sure and I think the world, I know the World Food Program's goal is to make sure that people who are suffering from a lack of food do not suffer. And I would also say that, again, four countries on the verge of famine and 2.5 million tons of produce, of product, that is going to prevent famine for a lot of people. And for that, I am very grateful. Where do programs like McGovern Dole align with the WFP and its mission, and how important for Congress, who controls the purse strings, to continue to stand behind it? 
So it's incredibly important, and I would say even more important now with, with, with COVID because the, the need has increased. Again, we're going from feeding over 100 million people last year to being asked to feed about 138 to 150 million people just this year. The McGovern Dole Act is so essential because it allows us to uh, position funding and also help us procure product here in the United States that goes to those who are, who are at greatest needs. We're talking a couple hundred million dollars going directly to the field, uh, helping to support those who wouldn't have it without this incredible bill. There's enough food to go around to feed everybody in the world, but we need the funding to make sure that we get it to those who need it, and these are the hardest to reach. One thing that always comes to mind for me is logistics. When COVID struck, we were the logistics backbone for the UN. So we were transporting not only supplies, food for the people that we were serving in 88 countries, but we were also transporting PPE. We were, we were transporting healthcare workers. Uh, we were evacuating people that, that got sick. So on any given day, the World Food Program is operating 5,600 trucks between 25 and 30 cargo ships and over 100 cargo planes in the air on any given day delivering supplies. And it's not just the delivering of supplies. We're also out there building roads. We're working with farmers to make sure that they are farming better, they're doing better inventory, and that they know how to run a business. Obviously in Washington, uh, from Congress to the Biden administration and agriculture groups now, are talking about agriculture's role in addressing climate change and carbon sequestration and, and doing our part for, uh, for a better earth. How do you see their charge to address climate change? So one of our, our key roles, Jeff, is to make sure that um, our legislators know about the impact of climate, that they know that people are suffering, that we're suffering from droughts, from floods, uh, more typhoons, uh, more hurricanes, uh, and it's to draw the attention of the impact climate is having on those who we're trying to help. And it's to encourage our legislators to come up with solutions to the, to the issue of climate. And I would also just say that one of the things that we're doing on the ground in most of these countries, working with farmers, is we're teaching them how to grow better using different irrigation systems. Uh, we're also teaching them how to do half moons, how to water harvest, um, how to do, use different seeds that are more res- resilient among drought and heavy rains. Um, so, we're, and we're, we're teaching farmers when to grow, how to store, um, and, and how to run a business. So I, I really believe that the World Food Program is doing a lot right now around climate, but one of the things that we're doing very strongly is making sure that our legislators know that climate is hurting the earth and it's hurting those that rely on the World Food Program, and it must be addressed. How is the acceptance of technology a challenge for global hunger? So I am incredibly pleased uh, that the World Food Program has a group called the Innovation Accelerator. And this is a group that is charged with coming up with the most innovative ways of solving hunger. So um, they've created uh, resources such as the heat map. And this is used, by the way, by multiple uh, agencies, but it's, a, it's using satellite technology to make sure that we know 
where hungry people are, where they're located, so that we can get services to them. We do a lot of work with drones. We talked about school feeding through our innovation hubs. So the school feeding has gone because of COVID from delivering it directly to the schools to working with communities to make sure that it goes to the house. Um, we're working with 140,000 farms to train them how to reduce post-harvest losses by 98%. And then we also launched um, hydroponics with a lot of farmers, making sure that um, that we are, well, as you may know, hydroponics, or what we call H2Grow, is a mechanism to grow crops without soil. It's using water. And it's helping feed the livestock and feed, and feed families at the same time. And the last thing I'll say is we're using technology. You know, don't underestimate the role that uh, cash-based transfers plays with the use of technology. We're putting cash in the hands of people so that they can go out within a day and purchase product to save their lives. So uh, there is not a day, uh, Jeff, that goes by that I'm not reading about a new innovation or a new technology that's being used to save more lives. What partnerships have you developed to either resolve a hunger situation or draw attention to the need? So a number of partnerships. In the field, we work with hundreds of partners on the ground. It is never just one organization. As you know, just a, a few months ago, the World Food Program was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, which was uh, an honor that we were very humbled to receive. It put the, the spotlight on hunger. And one of the things that it recognized the World Food Program for doing was how we partner with organizations to make sure that the neediest get food, that we're working in war-torn areas. But I would say that there is not a large organization on the ground that we're not working with. I would say from a private sector perspective, we do a lot of work with Cargill. I can use UPS maybe as a really great example. We're very honored to have the president of UPS International on the World Food Program USA board. UPS in the past has lent us experts to come and look at our supply chain management, to look at how we can improve efficiencies, how we can do better. I'm a believer that the private sector in the United States, they're developing innovations and technology that we can use. I would say it is one of my goals as the CEO of the World Food Program USA is to better partner with the private sector in the U.S., particularly those uh, companies that have technology that can help us save more lives. We also partner, by the way, with with um, drone companies, with companies that can provide satellite technology, and then we also do some work with Palantir because it helps us helps us with our inventory inventory controls. And so, a lot of private sector work in the U.S. helps us with our success. But the World Food Program is all about partnership, and whether that is partnership on the ground with local community-based organizations, whether whether it is partnerships with large NGOs, or whether it is partnerships in the private sector, we all do it together. But we have an open arm to anybody that has a great idea um, who will um, help us save a life. I can tell you that when I mentioned the Innovation Accelerator, they're working on 90 different projects as we speak. 90 different projects that are innovative approaches to solving hunger. I noted the relationship with Kellogg's and the murials that were not necessarily feeding people, but drawing attention to those and to the crisis that exists. 
that can lead to donations that can help to feed people. We're very grateful to Kellogg. I would also say that we have uh, an, uh, an event called Us Against Hunger uh, once a quarter. Um, we were doing a lot of op-eds. Uh, we've got a fantastic website at wftusa.org. Um, I would say that for everybody listening, uh, you know, one thing that you can do is please join us because we need a voice. You know, one thing, Jeff, that I've seen in the field, and I've left so many countries feeling that I have to be the voice of these individuals, these men, women, and children that have no voice. And so I'm counting on every single person listening today to be the voice. You don't have to meet the person, but you need to know that somebody is out there relying on you and me to make sure that we're speaking up for them. We do some work with Facebook. We do some work with multiple social media organizations. Uh, We also have donated ads that the Wall Street Journal has given us. Uh, We have some donated TV ads. But whatever we need to do, we need to get the word out that the World Food Program is the best-in-class organization for saving lives with a specific focus on hunger and that for $75 a month, we can feed a family of four. Well, Baron Seeger, we appreciate your work and all of the volunteers involved with the World Food Program to be the face and the helping hands of those that are hungry. We want to thank you for taking time to be with us on this edition of Open Mic. Baron, it is Open Mic, and today you get the last word. First, uh, you know, thank you for giving me a platform to speak. I, I speak today not on my own. I'm speaking on behalf of the 100 million people that were helped by the World Food Program last year. These are, are individuals living on less than $1.90 a day. They need our help, and I am imploring, I'm begging for your help. Please go to our website. By the way, whether it's here in the United States or whether it's through the World Food Program, there are a lot of people in need today. And I would also just say that I'm incredibly grateful because Americans are responding to our call. We've seen companies, foundations, individuals respond to the call to the World Food Program and the World Food Program USA. So I would say, Jeff, uh, my open mic is one of gratitude and being and humbly thanking those who have selected the World Food Program for their philanthropy, but also for those who have given those who have no voice a voice. And I would say that we need help. There are so many people out there around the world that need us. They need you. They need me. Please come on this journey with me. Our thanks to the World Food Program USA's Baron Seeger, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.